Hey everyone, what is up? It is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and welcome to podcast episode number 287. Okay, I am back for more abuse. <laughs> Alright, last week in part one of this three-part series, I went off on my own rant about a YouTube rant from a firearms trainer out there who felt that carrying your concealed pistol in the appendix location was pretty much reserved for tactical morons. Well, I've certainly been called worse, but I had to respond with why I thought his specific arguments against appendix carry were incorrect. Now, some of you agreed with me, and a few of you are still not convinced of the tactical benefits of appendix carry. So, in part two of this series, I wanted to share with you my top ten reasons I love appendix concealed carry for personal defense. And it is my mission to make a believer out of you with this week's episode. And don't worry about taking notes because, of course, we've compiled all of my top 10 points right down into a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet that you can download absolutely free just by going to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 287. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival magazine. And first of all, thank you to those who left your opinions on our blog from last week's show. There were a lot of great points that were made out there, both for and against appendix carry. Um, for example, Sam Falvo pointed out that one of the main reasons I first chose appendix carry is the fact of true concealment. He says, referencing traditional hip carry on the side of his body, he points out that merely reaching for an item on a shelf or kneeling for something on a lower shelf could cause your garment to ride up and expose your weapon in public, and you would be unaware. And Recon8654 said on the blog, Many, if not most, of those appendix carry discussions revolve around the safety when the shooter has sole control of the weapon. The assumption, the assumption is that the shooter is an excellent gun handler and stringently adheres to taking every step to avoid a negligent discharge. Fine, now what happens in close quarters when an assailant spots you drawing for your weapon and lunges at your hand to disarm you as you draw? And now you have three or four hands grappling for a weapon that is in some stage of partial, partial presentation and, all the while, pretty much pointed at that area where a discharge will kill you. Okay, so now listen, those are both very, very good points. And if you didn't catch last week's episode or watch the YouTube video included on that blog post page, I suggest you do so for the purposes of gaining an alternative perspective on the risks and the benefits of appendix carry, as well as my rebuttals to that video. And as I stated last week, how you carry your concealed firearm is always going to be a matter of personal preference. And it's really not for me to say that appendix carry is right for you personally. But I do have a strong opinion on the topic, and that's what this week is all about. So, let me go ahead and jump in with my top 10 list for why I think appendix concealed carry rules for personal defense. And the first thing for me to bring up really does go back to Sam's point, which is tip number one or point number one is that appendix carry is the most concealable. Now, I'm basing this on appendix carry versus carrying it what some people would see as more like a traditional like inside the waistband on your hip. If I'm a right-handed shooter, it might be at the 3 o'clock, 3.30, 4 o'clock, 4.30. depends on how far somebody feels like they, how far back they want to put the firearm on their back hip. But 
in that location is where I'm, I'm now, of course, is it more concealable if you carry it with an ankle holster? Yes, you could argue that it's very concealable in an ankle holster, but it's harder to get to, right? So most people are going to carry either an appendix carry or they're going to carry on their hip. Now, comparing those two, it is going to be more concealable when you do carry appendix carry. Um, I can tell you that, you know, there have been plenty of times I've spotted people with their weapons on their hip, fully exposed at the grocery store. I've seen this. So actually, Sam brings up a really good point because this is exactly what I've seen at my local grocery where somebody reaches up for something or I've seen them in their vehicle, like uh, putting stuff in the back of their trunk. Anytime you bend over, the, the back shirt lifts up and there is the gun right there for everybody to see. And as we know, attacks do happen inside of parking lots, right? Like that's one of the areas that you will see bad guys hanging out to wait till you are putting your groceries away. And if they're coming up to accost you there or attack you, you bend over, they can more notice that you do have a weapon there on your hip as opposed to if you had it with appendix carry. Appendix carry is going to be more concealable, all right? Tip number two, or reason number two, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say tips here. Reason number two is that because it is more concealable, you can carry a bigger gun with you. Um, you're able to carry a firearm that is larger because you can conceal it better. So for me, I, I typically carry a Glock 19 with me. I can carry that and hide it very, very well in appendix carry as opposed to that bigger firearm on my hip is going to be, is going to have more of an opportunity to be exposed out there. And you, and for legal purposes, you need to make sure that it is, that it is actually concealed. If it does show, if it is seen out there, then that could, even if you're printing, um, that is, in, depending upon where you live or what, you know, what your local laws are, it could be that, that right there is, is illegal and you could be, you could be stopped for that right there. Okay. Um, but for me, I can carry my Glock 19 appendix carry where I might not do that. I might carry just my, my Glock 26 on my right, on my right hip. Okay. So you can carry a bigger gun with more rounds in it, which as far as, far as I'm concerned, you care, want to carry the biggest gun you can that you can conceal, that you can get to, that you can use tactically in an attack. Um, that's what you want to carry, right? Appendix carry gives you a little bit better option to be able to do that. Reason number three that appendix carry rules is basically simple math. Um, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. I didn't, I didn't remember too much from my math days in high school, but I do remember that. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And the hands are usually in front of you if you are addressing an attacker even in extreme close quarters. So you might have your hands up and like, hey, man, like, I don't want any problems. Don't shoot. It could be a road rage incident. You've got your hands up there. Hey, man, just back off. I don't want any problems. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bump your vehicle. I didn't mean to. Whatever it is, if you're in a, a in a in an encounter that's face to face, whether that is a, a robber, a person who is road rage, somebody who thinks that you were looking at his girlfriend, whatever it is, your hands are typically going to be in front of you. So the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So if your hands are in front, your ability to get to that handgun and get it out in a fraction of a second is going to be faster with appendix carry for a couple of different reasons. Because one, it is the, it is the shortest distance. But also, if you are reaching back behind your hip, it is longer, but it is also you have to clear more of your garment out of the way. So you're coming at back at an angle. It increases the chances of your shirt getting tangled up. Um, 
again, all of this is practice dependent, right? So you can get very, very good at this, but nonetheless, you can't, you can't refute the math here that it is faster distance from your two hands to be able to get down to appendix carry. All right. So simple math there. Um, and it's just, and it helps you to go from that don't shoot mode or, hey man, I don't want any problems where your hands are right in front of you straight down to your appendix carry and to get that, that firearm out. All right. All right. Reason number four is the element of surprise here. So in addition to it's faster and it's shorter for you to be able to get to appendix carry, it also decreases the time that your attacker has to identify your movement as well. So what I mean by that is, and I, and I can tell you this from self-defense training, that this is a very distinguishable movement when somebody goes back to draw a weapon from their hip. It's a very distinguishable movement, and it is a further distance. So going back to reason number three there, okay? But nonetheless, it's that telegraphing of your movement that makes it, that, that stands out to your attacker where they might notice um, that you are going for a weapon. Again, it it, ha, it looks a very specific way. So if you go back there, you clear your you're clearing your shirt. And again, we talked about how there's more opportunity for that to get tangled up, which increases your telegraphing of what you're trying to do. But you go back there to your hip there. That's a very distinguished movement, and it could cause them to either fire their own weapon or attack you or whatever it is. Okay. So you want to decrease the the amount of time that your attacker has to be able to identify, right? So we have that OODA loop, right? Observe, orient, decide, act. Well, they when you make a movement toward your holster, they have to observe that happening. Then they have to orient on your movement and then make a decision of what they're going to do. If their weapon is already out, their decision only has to be pull the trigger, stab you, or whatever it is. So it's that orient that you've got the best opportunity there because they have to be able to first notice what it is that you're doing before they can orient and then and decide. I mean observation, I'm sorry. They have to observe first. So if you are going straight down to appendix carry, it's faster, it's shorter, you have more of an element of surprise, your hands are right there in front of you, it doesn't have as, as distinguishable a movement as going back to your hip, okay? All right, reason number five is retention advantage. Okay, so ironically, this was the negative of appendix carry that was highlighted by one of the comments to my last podcast. Specifically that if your attacker sees you going for your gun and it's partially exposed, that they could make you shoot yourself in the groin or inner thigh because now you have three or four hands that are now fumbling around for that weapon. Well, first of all, that, that's a big if. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, um, I'm not gonna refute that if somebody does get their hands on their weapon and it's just fresh out of your appendix carry holster, that it is angled in or it's pointing at a location where if you got shot there, that it would be a problem, but that's a big if. And there's always going to be a what if scenario for any technique, no matter what it is, right? Anybody can say, well, that sounds great, but what if, you know, the guy does a spinning monkey dragon kick on your face? You know, like, there's all, there's always going to be what ifs for everything, okay? And actually, though, I have a very opposite opinion on the dangers of retention from appendix carry. And I'm going to cover this in several points within this top 10 list because it really, like, that is the number one thing that was put out by the Yankee Marshal in the video that I, that I did a rant about. Um, and it's also, again, one of the comments that somebody did say, um, in the, um, in the blog, uh, related to my last podcast episode. All right. So, 
Um, so that that is one of the main things. Where is that gun pointed at? Should you have a negligent discharge, or if you clear it out of there and you're you're wrestling around with somebody, where is that bullet going to go? All right. So I'm going to again, I'm going to cover several points within this top ten list, and it starts with this one, which is biomechanically. By placing the pistol ahead of your hip line, which it is in appendix carry, okay? So, I mean, in, in front of your hips, in front of the side of your hips, it actually gives you more strength for retention, not less. And this was something that I learned from Chris Fry, who is one of the experts in our network, and we were talking about this. And one of, the, one of the things that he said was that when you reach back for your handgun or any weapon that you have back on the on behind your hip, what you're doing is you're bringing your shoulders back, you're bringing your arm back, and if somebody were to go ahead and, again, notice that movement, which is a very, it's easy to telegraph that, if they go to jam that in there, with your shoulder, with your shoulder and your arm placement there, you don't have a lot of strength for retention. It actually moves your, your um, biomechanically, it moves your strength behind you, and it makes it easier for somebody to be able to manhandle your arm, your hand, to be able to get to that weapon, because it, you don't have the strength of both of your shoulders, of your traps. It's just a, it's a biomechanical thing. As opposed to with appendix carry, when you reach down, <clears throat> you actually have an advantage there. Okay, So you have more of your traps. You have your both of your shoulders there. You have the strength of your arms together um, that you can use both of those. Whereas opposed to if you go behind you, you really don't have your other arm to be able to help you with retention, especially when you grab that weapon from behind you, you, you draw it out. Typically your other hand has just cleared that, that your clothing and it's now waiting to meet that weapon in front of you. That whole path from your back hip to the front where it meets your hand, where you're going to present the weapon for shooting. That is a long way in a disadvantaged, in a biomechanically disadvantaged position for somebody to be able to grab your arm and be able to take that weapon from you. Okay? So you actually have more of a retention advantage in front of you. Now, let me go ahead and address, uh, Recon's, uh, comment there a little bit more in, in reason number six, which is retention shooting advantage. Now, this was something that Recon brought up is that if you, you get that weapon partially out there and you have somebody else's hands on there, if the weapon does go off, right after it's cleared your holster, then it's pointed in the right spot. Now, it does need to come out of that holster, and somebody's finger needs to be on that trigger in order for that gun to go off. So that comes down, that does come down to training, because you want to make sure that when that weapon comes up, you're not sticking your finger on that trigger right away. And I have admitted in the last one that I have had a negligent discharge where I had my finger on the trigger too quickly. I was drawing from concealed carry, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I was drawing concealed from appendix carry, and that round went off about three feet in front of me. And I put my finger on the trigger too quickly, all right? So it was my mistake. It was a training mistake for me, but it at least was out in front of me. Now, you do want to keep your finger off of that trigger, but in that in that situation right there, it's about you maintaining control of that weapon. And so we talked about retention advantage in reason number five. Retention shooting advantage is reason number six here. So what I mean by that is the placement in appendix carry is typically with a muzzle straight up and down or a muzzle forward can. In other words, the, the, um, basically if you're, if the, uh, the barrel is, is facing down, it's facing, if I'm right handed, the barrel is slightly facing toward the left, right? So in this position, my, the, the shooter's primary wrist, so my wrist is locked when my pistol is grasped, 
Okay. Now the same thing on your hip. That's so it's, there's no difference there, but what it does is it allows the shooter to fire the pistol the very second that the muzzle is oriented towards the target in close quarters retention shooting. So this is something where you finally get that weapon out. All right. Instead of presenting it up to like your sternum and then straight out, if you are in super tight, close quarters, you are grappling with somebody and you are able to get to that weapon you are going to have both hands on that weapon. So when you have both hands on that weapon, you have a major retention advantage at that point, even if somebody else has two hands on the weapon as well, because you have your hand on the grip of the, the, hand, the, the, the handle of the gun, as well as when you come up, bring it up, now you're covering the, the, the trigger, the trigger guard. You've got the, the ability to grab onto the, uh, the barrel itself, you have a strong position there because it's right close to your body. From there, it is not very difficult to leverage that gun up towards the person, even if it's just to be able to get that muzzle toward them. But your finger now goes on that trigger. And so you can actually shoot them from retention much easier in front of you than if you tried to go back, you grab your handgun, you're bringing it forward. If they grab it at that point or anywhere along that point where you only have one hand on that weapon, now you have a one-handed retention, which is a lot harder to get to because your two hands have not met the weapon yet. From that position also, if the weapon is not in front of you, not directly in front of you, you don't have the, the advantage, the leveraging advantage of both of your traps, your shoulders, your neck muscles, like every, all of that strength that you can get that you would normally try to like open up a can that, you know, open up a jar that's got a really tight lid on it. That's your strength position right there. All right. Imagine just that that jar that does not want to open up. Where are you going to put that? Are you going to put it back on your right hip or somewhere there? No, you're going to put it right in front of you where you can get all of your muscles working in that same retention point. Right. Well, you can again from from shooting from retention, you can do that much easier there. All right. Hip shooting from the other method puts your shoulders in a weaker disadvantaged position. It's harder point shooting position for accurate shots because it's coming from your back hip. As opposed to if that gun is in front of you, you leverage it forward, you know better where the path of that bullet is going to go. As opposed to if you've ever seen somebody do like hip shooting from retention, they kind of like stick the, um, you know, if I'm right-handed, they'll, they'll take the weapon and they'll, they'll put it on their right hip. So they'll put their hand right on their right hip. But from there, laterally, you don't necessarily know where that gun is pointed. As opposed to a two-handed retention in front of you, you better know where it is and you can shoot better from retention that way, all right? All right, reason number seven is offhand draw. So again, this is one of those what-if scenarios, like what if you get shot in the hand? What if somebody um, bites your fingers off? Like whatever, whatever, right? Like, but offhand draw. So it is one of the things that you are gonna have to take into account that you might be in a fight somewhere. In fact, my most watched YouTube video, which went viral many years ago, I think it's up to 17 or 18 million views now, is why you should never punch in a street fight. Um, half of the uh, half of the comments on there are um, are agreeing with me, and half of them tell me I have no clue what I'm talking about. But I give a very I give very good reasons in there. Now, I think some of the people that have left negative comments there don't really think in terms of weapons fighting, and they're probably not concealed carry because the number one point that I bring out there is that if you punch somebody. And typically somebody's going to try and punch somebody in the head. 
Well, it's very easy to break your knuckles, break your wrist, fold your wrist. I mean, I've done it in martial arts. I've, I've, I've folded my wrist back and it hurts like hell. Well, if you punch somebody and you break your, you break your fingers, you break your knuckles and you go to use your firearm, you might not even be able to use your firearm or it's going to be harder to draw that weapon. So if that happens because it's just a natural movement, somebody, you know, you, you, you've got to fight to your gun and, and you're, you're in an altercation and you punch somebody because that's just what you've been doing since fourth grade. Well, then you could actually be in a position where you no longer have your shooting hand to be able to draw that weapon. If it's back on your hip, you've got to reach around with your other hand to be able to get to that. That depending, especially depending upon how big around your waist is or your back is or your ass is, that might be a big old reach around with your Tyrannosaurus Rex arms, right? So in front of you, though, it is going to be an easier way for you to draw with your other hand, your supporting hand there, um, to be able to get to that weapon faster and be able to maneuver the, the handgun so that you can use your off hand to be able to do that. Now, again, appendix carry might not be best for somebody that does have a big old gut anyway, so it's still going to be um, a problem maybe. Maybe appendix carry isn't available for you because you got to lift up with both hands up, you know, 300 pounds of blubber there for you to be able to get to. I'm not judging. I ain't judging, all right? <laughs> but I'm just saying, and I'm just saying, all right. <laughs> but nonetheless, offhand, uh, easier offhand draw is reason number seven for appendix carry, okay? Reason number eight, we're going to stay in the same close quarters uh, reasoning here. So that's grappling advantage. So by grappling, I mean that you're you're basically wrestling it. It's standing up wrestling. You're trying to like, you know, fight this guy off. You're trying to you want to get to your gun, but you're in this grappling situation where you know you might have your hands around their neck or they're trying to take you down to the ground. But nonetheless, it's like a standing wrestling position. Right. And this happens a lot because most people in close quarters don't know how to fight in close quarters. Now, that might not be you, but it could be your attacker. And if your attacker sees you, you know, going for a weapon and he reaches out and, try, and tries to bear hug you or tries to choke you or and you guys get into a grappling match standing up, well, you're in a grappling match there. Now, in a struggle, your attacker, so let's say that you are kind of in this standing wrestling match there and you're trying to gain position to be able to punch this person or, you know, get out of their hold, whatever it is. If your gun is on your hip, your attacker is most likely going to feel that as they're grappling around with you. Okay, so if they're reaching around your body and they're trying to pick you up or they're trying to trying to keep you from picking them up, if it's on your hip, they're going to feel it. And if you're trying to if you have your hands around them and their hands are around you, they're trying to put you in a bear hug or something. They feel your weapon. Well, guess what? Now your hands are around, let's say, their neck and, and their traps or their arm. You're locked up in some way. They now have an unencumbered uh, reach for your weapon that they just felt on your hip. Not good. They can take it out. They can shoot you with your own gun. All right. Um, now, you might be able to argue that with a hip holster that you could blade your body away from your attacker and be able to, like, while you're fighting them off with one hand, you're able to reach back with your other hand to be able to get to your hip holstered weapon. Now, as far as, like, geographically, like, where that's all laid out, that makes sense. However, you would have you would still have to do it one-handed while you're protecting yourself with your other hand. Now, that's not an easy thing to do against somebody that is using 
their full body weight and both of their hands to be able to punch away at your coconut while you're trying to fight them off with one hand and get back to your weapon with the other hand. Your better option in that in that situation is to be able to gain the space that you need so that you can use both of your hands to get to your weapon, right? And how you're going to be able to do that is by not blading your body, by not blading your body. Because with your body facing forward, I now have more weapons that I can use, more body weapons that I can use to be able to give myself some space. I have both of my hands available to me where I can reach out and I can take that person's head off. Now, this is a move that I show in our Defeat Larger Attackers um, uh, video that you can you can see there. Um, but you have both of your hands that are there. You have both of your, your feet that are there. You have more stability that, that's there. Okay, so I recommend that you have both of your hands in front of you, that you gain space by getting by fighting that person first and then getting to your weapon from there, all right? And when that happens, when you do gain that space, your hands are right there in front of you for, guess what, that shortest distance from point A to point B and get to a fast appendix draw so that you now have your weapon out, okay? All right, that was reason number eight. Reason number nine is ground fight retention, all right, so one of the biggest threats that we have, so let's say that you're, you're grappling with this person, you're trying to fight to your gun, but what ends up happening a lot of times in these grappling matches is that it ends up going to the ground. So then it becomes a ground fight. Now, one of the biggest threats of a ground fight is other people. Other people. So, and listen, I've seen this. I've seen, um, I, I've told people many times, whether in podcasts or our New World Patriot Alliance and our, in our master classes that we do, I've talked about how I, I did spend a good quality, a good, a good amount, quantity of time, sorry, not quality, good quantity of time dealing with gangs in New Mexico, whether that was outside of my home because I lived in a, in a, in a gang infested area or whether it was in the, we, um, the company that I was a, um, um, a, an executive for one of the contracts we had was for local schools in a crime infested area and in a, in a gang infested area. And so I can tell you that anytime you go down to the ground in a, in a fight where it's a gang related scenario or even just somebody's buddies at the bar or whatever, you go down there, they're going to potentially stomp you on the ground. They're going to, they're going to get there in the fight. All right. Even if they're there watching, all right, it's still, they're still a threat. Even if they're trying to, like, they're just egging, their, they're, they're getting their buddy to, you know, they're rooting him on to be able to beat you up. In that ground fight, if even if you get on top, your gun is on your hip, it's going to be exposed. Most likely because you're going to be bent over or your shirt's going to come flying up. And that gun is going to be exposed. Now, your hands are going to be fighting the person in front of you, whether that's you're trying to get them in a lock, trying to choke, trying to punch them whatever it is, right? So your gun, I mean, your hands are not going to be there to be able to protect your gun. And so the gang that's there that attacked you in a parking lot or this guy's buddies in a, I won't say a bar because you're not supposed to have your gun in the bar, right? In most places, right? But it could be in a parking lot somewhere. It could be a, it could be a road rage incident. The guys, the guys buddies come out of the car and all of a sudden now, you're in that situation where you're beating, you're on top and you're beating this guy up, but your gun is exposed and somebody else can reach in there and grab it. Even if it's just to like, they notice that you have a gun and they think you're going to use it on their buddy, they might take that opportunity to take it off of there just for the protection of their buddy. At that point, you don't know what's going to happen. If you come after them, they might just pull the trigger. 
They might just shoot you by accident. They, you don't know what that other person is going to do. If it's a gang-related incident, that they could just grab your gun right there and either walk away with it, steal it, kick you in the head, walk away with it, or use it on you also. Okay. So from ground fight retention, if your gun is in appendix carry and you're fighting somebody, whether you're on top of them or they're on top of you, nobody's going to get to that except for you. If you're on top of somebody, they can't really take that gun out from from uh, from your appendix carry. That's a very awkward way to try and draw that weapon. They're probably not even going to notice that it's there, even if you're on top of them, right? Um, but it's also going to give you the ability to, if somebody does even notice it, your hands are in front of you. You're not trying to retain it from your hip in, um, behind you while you're trying to fight the guy in front of you and the other guy's buddies are, are trying to beat you up. If somebody, another buddy does notice it in front of you, you right there can, can get down. You can close down on top of somebody. You can, you have better options there to be able to retain it from the ground. All right. All right. Let's go ahead and stay on the ground here because reason number 10 here is ground fight access to your own weapon. So if you are stuck on the ground, okay, and, and yes, your attacker may be on top of you and sitting on your gun where you can't get to it. All right. So that is a very valid point as opposed to maybe if your hands, I mean, if your gun is on your hip, could you get to it there? Well, if somebody's on top of you, the answer is no to that. All right. Even if it's on your hip, they're not going to notice. I mean, they're, they're not going to you're not going to be able to get to it there because their legs are going to be they're going to be straddling you. If they're in the mounted position, their legs are going to be wrapped up around that period. All right. And you trying to fight somebody off and get to your hip, you're not going to be able to get to that because. You're going to have to take a hand away from your center line, which is going to leave you unprotected. And that person is going to be able to strike away at you. Now, again, you're not going to, well, and, and aside from that, I mean, you're going to have to probably roll to your side. So if you have your weapon, let's say at the four or four thirty position, okay, you've still got to be able to roll your body up so that you can basically reach underneath your body. If you are, um, if your attacker is on top of you there. Okay. Um, and we're talking worst case scenario, you've got somebody on top of you. But somebody would, of course, argue, well, if they're sitting on top of you, you can't get to your appendix carry either. Well, that's true, except that you do have more options to be able to get to that. Okay? So what I mean by that, if he's on top of you, you can, for example, reach down with your hands. And I, this is one of the, the techniques we teach in, teach in ground fighting, is to reach your hands down along your body and get to their testicles. And just reach in there, grab and twist. And I, I can tell you that what ends up happening is they're most likely going to raise up. So you can cover your, your face with one hand, reach down through your body, like, like basically pass your hand along your, your center line of your, of your body, get to where their groin is because they're sitting on top of you exposed. You grab those testicles, you squeeze as hard as you can, you rip and pull. And that person is most likely going to raise up off of you. And guess what? Your hands are now right there for you to be able to draw your weapon out and shoot from your back at the person that is now trying to get off of you and save their testicles. Okay? Now, even if you are in the situation where you're on top of them, you can, again, if you're able to be able to to be able to pound away at them, you're in the mounted position there, you can now get to where you can draw your weapon from appendix carry. Or... You can get up off of them because you are in the mounted position. You won't be able to break away from them. And now again, you're able to get to your weapon there. Okay. So ground fighting, appendix carry is still going to rule. 
All right. So those are my top 10 reasons for why appendix carry rules in a real street attack when it comes to concealed carry. Okay. So I want to hear from you now. Did I make a believer out of you? Hey, Recon, get back in there, man. Did I make a believer out of you or not? I thought you had a really good point. Um, I hope I addressed some of the concerns that people have in these top 10 points right here. But I do want to hear from you. Did I make a believer out of you? Or is there anything I missed as far as what is a risk that I did not cover? Um, is there is an advantage that I didn't cover? Maybe something that came to mind as I was giving you my top 10 reasons. All right. I want to hear from you. Please go to our blog over at moderncombatsurvival.com where this podcast is located and leave me a comment there. Let me know what you think. I really want to hear from you. Again, we're all in this together. I'm looking to learn from other people as well. I'd like to hear your tips, tricks, and tactics that you have yourself. Or again, if there's something that I missed there, let me know about it. I would love to see your comments, and I promise that I will respond back to there, okay? All right, this is Jeff Anderson. Until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, saying prepare, train, and survive. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.